Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. Glad to have you here. We are a Bible-based church out of Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and help them become devoted followers of Jesus. In today's episode, as we kick off this new year, we're going to explore the power of the lives we believe. In this message series from Connexus Church, we're going to discover where lies come from, why we believe them, and how to find the fulfillment that Satan's lies promise, but never deliver. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Connexus Church lead pastor Jeff Brody as he brings us part one of The Truth About Lies. Uh, my name is Jeff Brody. I'm the lead pastor here at Connexus. And I just want to start by saying, hey, if you're new and you've come here and you're not even sure you believe half of what you heard today, I just want to let you know we're really glad you're here. You can belong even if you aren't sure that you believe. And uh, it's just really our privilege to host you today. Uh, here's what this message is going to look like. I'm going to talk a little bit about lies Then I'm going to talk about evil and lies and how Jesus saw evil and lies. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a really practical tool that if you're brave enough to use it this week, I think could be the first step to finding some real change in your life. And so really looking forward to kicking off the series together. You guys ready to go? Come on. You ready to go? You ready to go in Aurelia? All right. So I remember when I was young, uh, one of the first lies I remember hearing was this lie that said this, don't step on a crack or you'll break your mother's back. Anybody heard that lie when you're a kid, right? And uh, in front of my house where I grew up, it's on a hill and uh, there are all kinds of cracks in the sidewalk and we would run all of us down and try to dance around the cracks. Everybody yelling, don't step on a crack or you'll break your mother's back. And, and I remember as a young kid thinking, well, I know that's not true. Because when I get home, my mom's back is not broken. But does it hurt her a little bit when I step on the cracks? Is it like a Robaxaset commercial or a voodoo doll where like she gets some kind of poke in the back? And, and actually, even to this day, I find myself compulsive about like trying not to step on the cracks when I walk on a sidewalk. It's one thing to hear a lie. It's another thing to believe that lie and actually to start living that lie. That's what was happening to me. What about this one? Uh, If you swallow gum, it stays in your stomach for seven years. Anybody ever hear that one? (laughs) Totally not true. That's not true. And uh, when I was a kid, I remember swallowing gum. And I remember thinking to myself, in seven years, how much gum could I swallow where I might accidentally fill half my stomach with gum? Because seven years is a long time. And how am I going to remember in seven years to see if the gum came out the other end? Like, how am I going to remember that? I put it in my day timer, you know, that kind of thing. It was a, I I started to kind of worry about it. See, I heard the lie and then I began to believe this lie. But then something happens to your life when you start to live a lie. Something happens to your life when you go from hearing a lie to believing a lie to living a lie. See, here's the thing. Lies gain power when you choose to believe them and when you choose to live them. And those are funny lies that I heard as a kid. But as we get older, 
we wrestle with some real lies in our lives, don't you? Lies like, I am what I do. Lies like, success is financial. Lies like, my identity is blank. My kids. My car. My sexuality. Lies like, if I fail, I'm a failure. Lies like, my spouse should complete me. Some of us know that's not true. Right? I'm not worthy of love. How about this one? People leave me. See, sometimes when we talk about lies, we get so focused on the lies that you tell. But they're often not the most sinister ones. There's a, a guy named John Mark Comer. He wrote this book, Live No Lies, which really um, was kind of the jumping off point for this series. When I read this book, you should order it. It's on Amazon. And uh, he says this, he says, the problem is less that we tell lies and it's more that we live them. We let false narrative, false stories about reality into our bodies and they end up wreaking havoc on our souls. See, here's the thing. A lived lie, it either wastes your life or it weaponizes your life. Uh, Let me give you an example. I've met a number of people in my life who have been very financially successful. And they've said to me, man, I really wanted to get the job, the CEO job or the house or the money or the prestige or it's usually not really about material things. Often it's really just about winning. And I resonate with that a little bit, what that feels like. And they would say, man, I did everything I could to get to the top. And I got to the top and I realized I don't have a relationship with my kids and my marriage didn't make it. And now I'm at the end of my life and now I realize maybe there's a part of my life I've wasted, right? Nobody pulls up their Maserati and their resume at their funeral. It just doesn't happen. And they go, man, I've wasted my life. Or they end up weaponizing their life. They end up stepping on people on the way up the ladder and doing things they know maybe they shouldn't have done. Or they end up pushing on employees because they're so dependent on their employees to make them successful that they start to become the kind of boss you don't want to live with. And they weaponize their life because all that pressure ends up getting pushed down. A live life can weaponize or waste your life. If you're a mom or a dad... And you wrap up all of your identity in your kids. That the, you end up believing the life that my identity is 100% my kids. And you put all your energy and all your effort and everything into that. And that's every single moment of your day. And every single financial decision is about the kids. And then one day, if it, everything works out, those kids move out. That is the goal eventually, right? And then the person says, but now what's my identity? And they look at the person they're married to and they say, I don't really know this person anymore. And they end up going, man, on one hand, I mean, this is a good thing, but I've believed something that's a lie to the point that I've wasted part of my life. See, in this series, what I want to talk about is this. What are the lies you're living or what are the lies you're susceptible to living? Where do lies come from? How do they work? 
And how can you find freedom from them? And how can you find peace? And how can you find fulfillment? And not only do I want to help you do this, but if you're a parent here, I want to help you do this so you can help your kids do this. Or if you're a grandparent here, how do you help your kids do this exact thing? How do we keep ourselves from living lies? Now, lies are a super sinister thing. They're a thing that really can tear. They're destructive. They're dangerous. And they're the kind of things that really kind of hang on to our souls. I would argue lies are evil. And if you're going to talk about lies for five weeks, you've got to talk about evil. And I need to ask you a question. What is your explanation for evil in the world? Where does it come from? I think it's a really important question for everyone to ask. Where do you think evil comes from? What's your explanation for it? Well, let's start with what is evil. Now, I read a bunch of theologians who I trust. Augustine, that's a pretty old one if you don't know him. Thomas Aquinas, C.S. Lewis. I took all their definitions. and When I read them all, I really came up with something simple. And it says, evil is really a lack of good, an absence of good, or a distortion of good. See, either there's nothing good in something, there's very little good in something, or something that was meant to be good ends up being twisted. That's really, I think, a clear, basic definition of evil. And here's the thing about evil. Evil is really easy to see in the world. The battle of good and evil, right? Because you look out there and we see all kinds of things that we go, man, that's awful. Right? We've seen mass shootings in the past and we're going to see them, unfortunately, in the future. We see things like human trafficking happening right here in Simcoe County. It's happening here. It's awful. It's evil. It's sinister. We see racism. It's awful. It's evil. It's sinister. We see these things out there and we see this evil that's out there in our world. But here's the other tension we see. We see lots of people that want to do good things. Right? We see people who, who, are, who are helping people who are homeless or who are standing up against injustice. And we go, man, there's good things here. There's, there's part of the world that's trying to be good. But at the same time, there's this tension around things that are evil when it comes to humanity. And here's the thing. That tension between good and evil that's out there, when we're honest, it's in here too. Right? You, you want to be a generous person financially. You want to be known as a generous person. Your heart wants to be big and generous and bold. But you also want to go on vacations. A lot of them. And you want to put them on the credit card if you have to. And you want to blow it all on. And I understand that. There's a tension between good and evil. Or a tension between what we would say is right or wrong. Or there's a tension inside of me that I want to be one thing. But oh, there's this other thing. And here's the thing that happens. We get to a point where we don't like to talk about evil. We want to keep evil in the movies. We want to keep the evil in books. We don't want to actually have a conversation about it. And my friend John Thompson, uh, he's a pastor. And he wrote this book. And this is what he said in it. I think it's so true. He said, our denial or our discomfort with evil has made us more vulnerable spiritually. We just want to keep it all good, good, good. And let's not worry about evil. Let's not talk about evil. Let's just keep super positive thoughts. But at the end of the day, he's saying, man, this makes us spiritually vulnerable to ignore this, to ignore that there's something like this out there. And not only is it out there, it's in us and it impacts our lives. So how did Jesus see evil? When Jesus looked at the world, how did he see evil? 
Because he spoke about it a lot. In fact, he would say it's part of the reason that he came as the son of God. How did he see evil in the world? That's what I want to look at today. And here's the thing. Jesus taught that evil, the way it finds its way into your life, in my life, are lies. Lies are the doorway to things that are evil inside of us, that are destructive to us, that weaponize us and waste our lives. And he argued that there was someone behind those lies. I would say that Jesus would argue, when you look at what he said, that lies have the greatest potential to trap you. To trap you. To trap your mind, to trap your soul, to trap your relationships, to rob you of your freedom. In uh, John chapter 8, the Gospel of John Jesus is talking about the fact that uh, he has come as a light in the darkness. That he's come to push back the darkness. That he has come, as, in a sense, in a battle against evil. And this is what he says in John chapter 8, 31 to 32. He says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You're truly my disciples. You're truly my followers if you remain faithful to my teachings, which we're very fortunate to have. And he says, And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus talked all the time about the importance of truth. The truth that he wants to share with you. He didn't talk about living your truth. He talked about what he called absolute truth. And and the reason he wanted to talk about truth is because he wanted you to have freedom from lies. And this is how they respond. They said, but we're descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to everyone. What do you mean we will be set free? They're thinking this is about physical freedom. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So when you let sin in your life, when you let lies into your life, when you let lies into who you are, lies into your mind and your soul, it takes you to a place of brokenness, what he would call sin. He's saying, man, I don't even want that. I don't want that for you. I want you to be free. And it's the truth that's going to free you. And then he says, man, he who the son has set free will be free indeed. Now, I want to share with you today, even if you would say, hey, I'm not actually sure I'm, I'm about Jesus, about Christianity, all of that. I get that. I want to share with you kind of three basic principles that you see when it comes to evil that Jesus taught and you see them through scripture. The first one is we're more than a physical body. Jesus would teach that there's more to us than flesh and blood. In Mark chapter 8, he says this, What benefit is it to gain the whole world but to lose your soul? Is there anything more important than your soul? That there's more to us than what we can see. And in fact, there's more to this world than what we can see. The second thing he teaches is there's a realm of existence even more real than the one we see. That there is a world that we don't see, a spiritual realm, that we're more than just physical beings, that there's a spiritual world. And he says this in Ephesians, Paul writes this. He says, for our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That there is a spiritual battle going on. That there is something that we can't see. That when we feel that struggle between good and evil in here and in the world out there, it's real. It's real. And then the third thing, the third thing that he taught was this. That there's an enemy of our soul. 
And he talked about something called what I would call the unholy trinity. Many theologians call it that. Now, how many people have heard of the trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Put your hand up. Okay, good. We talk about it often here. The unholy trinity, we talk about less often. It's less popular. Surprise. But the unholy trinity really helps us understand how lies work in our lives. Now, the kind of theme of this whole series is investigative. We're investigators. And so I'm, I want to share with you how this all works. The unholy trinity and lies. I want to share it with you. I brought an investigative board. Look at this. It's like a murder mystery. We're going to like solve it. Okay. Thank you so much. This is great. So the big reveal. I know everybody's. Okay. So here we go. We talked the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity is the devil, the flesh, the Bible talks, and the world. The word's a little covered, but we all see the world, right? It's not the wordle, okay? So, the, the devil we've already talked about. Some of you are like, oh, I've got enough of that for today. That's okay. The flesh is that part within us that like good versus evil, that struggle that we all feel on the inside, that I know who I want to be, but I struggle to be that. I know, I know what the ideal is, but I can't get there. And we feel that inside us. Or I know that I want to be this person, but I keep end up being this person. It's that struggle inside of us. And then there's the world, the world out there. And the influence it has on us. So, so how, how does this work? Let me, let me explain it to you. The devil, or let's call it force of evil, if you're not comfortable with that yet. Are deceptive ideas. The, the things that come in our mind. It might be a lie that you hear that kind of seems to have a will. You keep hearing it over and over and over. Could be a deceptive idea, a lie that, that your mom told you, that your mom's mom told her, that your mom's mom's mom told her, and it's getting passed down from generation to generation. Could be something somebody said to you when you were seven. Something somebody said to you when you were a teenager. Something that, man, it's just this idea that comes after you. It's, it's something that you hear, the lies that you hear in your life. Now, hearing it is one thing, but then it takes root. And how, how does it kind of take root? It takes root in the flesh, our disordered desires. The disordered desires within us, the things that, man, but I deserve it. I want that. I know it's not quite the right thing, but let me self-justify to myself why I deserve this. Does that make sense? And, and this is really when you start to believe it. Now, before I get to the world, I'll reveal that in a minute. Let me, let me just walk you through a personal example of this in my life from this past week to help you understand it. This summer, I have committed to have the perfect lawn. Anybody here like that? Put your hand up if you're a lawn person. Don't be shy. Don't leave me hanging. I know you're out there. Yes. Right? This is going to be my summer of the perfect lawn. And so I hired a company to remain nameless, to come and spray my lawn. Now, these days, they're spraying not a harsh pesticide, but more of an organic-oriented spray. Let's call it that. Because those harsh pesticides, you can't have them in Canada. They're not legal here. 
And so uh, what's happening is they're spraying my lawn and then the weeds are still there. And so I get them to come back again and I get them to come back again. And then I had bugs in my lawn. And then I was like, why don't you just park the truck out front? Like, just leave it there and give me my own can of spray. I don't know. So then what happened was they were spraying for bugs and they're spraying for weeds. And they're like, well, it doesn't work on these weeds and it doesn't work on these weeds. I'm like, these are my weeds. Like, these are the weeds I have. So then I've got these weeds in my lawn. I've got these bugs and a friend's over. And I'm walking on my lawn and I'm, I'm frustrated about the lawn. And I'm like, man, like, I'm paying for this. And I deserve a better outcome than this. And, you know, don't they know who I am? Pastor of Connexus Church. No, I didn't say that. But <laughs> and, then, and then my friend's over and he says, he says, man, look at your lawn. And I'm like, I know. And he's, he says to me, you're paying somebody to do this? And I said, yeah. And he said, you should fire them. And I said, if I fire them, then it's going to be worse. It's going to be like a jungle cruise out here. And then he says to me, well, what you need to do is you need to get some of the pesticide spray that they sell in the U.S. And I said, oh. And then he says, I know a guy. (laughs) He said, there's a guy on Kijiji. Don't do this. There's a guy on Kijiji. He says, you know, I'm thinking like, what back alley am I going to go buy these pesticides? He's on Kijiji. He brings it over the border. You can get it from him. And he said, that'll be a hundred bucks. Which, by the way, is way less than what I'm paying the other guys. What happens, you see, is I hear the idea. I hear the deceptive idea. Oh, like, I could, there's another way I could do this. And yeah, it's fine. It's fine if you use, I mean, look at how small your lawn is. Like, you're not going to kill the whole environment with that little bottle of spray. I mean, man, when I was a kid, we were probably rolling in the stuff. I mean, we didn't even know any different. And then I start to go, I deserve it. I mean, this is a priority to me. I've spent money. I should do this. And he's like, yeah, you should do it. And then you know what he said to me? He said, do you know so-and-so and how nice their lawn is? I said, yeah. He says, this is what, that's what they're doing. And this guy, you know? Yeah, yeah, same thing. And this guy, you know? Yeah, same thing. And you know what's happening? He's starting to tell me, everyone's doing it. Everyone, in, everyone around you is doing it, Jeff. This is how everybody lives. This is what everybody's doing. People you respect, this is how they live. And all of a sudden, I'm going, well, if he's doing it, and she's doing it, and it's working out for them, what's the harm if I do it too? And you see how, how that gets root like that? You see, you see how quickly that takes root, just like that. And I go from hearing a lie to believing a lie to wanting to live a lie. Now, it's just my lawn. I understand that. Part of you are like, Jeff, it's just a lawn thing. But it's more than just a lawn thing. It happens to you every day. And it happens to me every day. Things like, you know what? 
your husband, your wife, they're not really meeting your needs. They don't pull their weight around the house. You deserve better. You deserve more. Or, man, it's been a long time since you've really ever been connected to them. What if you just met somebody, you know, looked up on Facebook, that friend you had in high school. Remember you dated her? Why don't you just check out that dating app? I mean, don't you deserve companionship? Don't you deserve that kind of relationship? I mean, don't you deserve love? Ooh, you see how sinister that is? Well, I know so-and-so. And he went on a site like that. And they're fine. I know so-and-so. And they split up. And he did okay. Maybe I should go out and do it on my own. Because I deserve it. And none of this is about serving your spouse. It's all about serving you. And next thing you know, a deceptive idea a want and a need that gets twisted turns into disordered priorities and it's all about you. And you find a group of people who tell you it's okay. And then you just keep doing it again and again and again. And you get caught. You get trapped. You get trapped in a spot and you can't get out. And you don't know what to do. That's what a lie does to you. This is a fight. This is a fight. This is a fight for your life. The, the lies that you end up believing about your self-worth. The lies you believe about how you look. The lies that believe what success is. The lies you believe about your identity. This is how they happen. You hear them. They get a seed in your misprioritized life. And then you end up self-justifying and... Man, we are self-justifying machines. That's like a whole sermon in itself. And then everybody's doing it. And then you're caught in a lie. And the reason I want to talk about this is because you're looking for a fulfilled, peace-filled life. And I want you to know it's not something you just find. It's something you have to fight for. You've got to fight this. You gotta fight this in your life. You gotta fight this in your mind. You gotta fight this in your heart. You gotta fight it in your relationships. It's a battle every day. So, how does this work in your day to day? Jeff, what am I supposed to do with this? I wanna, I wanna help you do this. And this is kind of the first day, the first step. And um, I wanna see if you're brave enough to take it. And I think if you are, it's gonna be the beginning of something powerful for you. You got, the, you got this card this morning that says, me, at the center. Which is something we all like. Different sermon. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to take this card, and I'm going to show you in a moment an example of mine. I want you to create a mind map. And I'll show you what that is in a moment. Where you identify the lies that you've believed in the past. The lies that you're susceptible to believing today. Or lies you could believe in the future. You know where I got this from? There's an old book called Screwtape Letters by a guy named C.S. Lewis. It's a fictional book 
about a demon, the devil coaching a demon, what lies to use to take someone down. I thought, man, let's identify the lies that could take you down now. And let's figure out what they are so that you know them. Because if you don't know them, you can't fight. And so um, what you're going to do is you're going to create a mind map. This is me. And what I want you to do is think about lies you've believed in the past or lies you're susceptible to. Lies that could take root because they're not the same for all of us. For example, I'll give you a self-worth one for me. When I was in high school, I thought my whole self-worth was found in people liking me. And so I felt the best way to get people to like me was to buy all the brand name clothes. We're not going to talk about the amount of money I spent on brand name clothes in high school, which are only cool now, again. And I just thought, man, this is my self-worth. Look at what I bought, the shopping bags. And look, now, have I overcome this lie? Yes, except I like shoes. And I need to create a box around that for me. Because I don't want to go down that road again. That's a lie I'm susceptible into my life. I can become a people pleaser to the point that's incredibly unhealthy. Because I want people to like me. I have to watch out for that. That's a lie I'm susceptible to. Now that might not be yours. But that's one of mine. What about relationships? What's the lie that you believe? Maybe you're here today. And you're single. And the lie you believe is the only way you could be complete. Is if you have someone else in your life to marry. If I only found a husband. If I only found a wife. Then I would be complete. But that's a lie. God says you're complete just as you are. He loves you just as you are. And the culture might tell you. Your disordered lies, the, the devil, the flesh, and the world might tell you. But you're not enough. And Jesus says you are enough. And by the way, if you start looking to a spouse to complete you, you're going to have a problem. Maybe that's the relational lie you believe. Maybe for you... The lie you believe around family. Something that someone said to you. Something that happened with your spouse. Something that happened with a parent. Maybe something that a family member did to you. Or an experience you had. And, and there is a lie out of that. And you need to start drawing lines from these. And you start to need to start naming those lies. Now your categories could be completely different than mine. Could be work. Could be finances. Could be self-image. Could be all kinds of things. All kinds of things. But you need to figure out what are the lies that I'm susceptible to. One of the lies that I could believe and start fighting. This is how you start fighting. A fulfilled life isn't something you find. It's something you have to fight for. There is a battle going on for your soul. And I want you to fight. In, in COVID, um, I was cutting vegetables one day in the heart of COVID, whenever that was. And I cut my finger. And uh, it looked like I needed a couple stitches. But I knew there would be like a bunch of protocols at the hospital, so I didn't want to go. So I kept telling Leslie, I just bandage it up with a Band-Aid. It's going to be fine. But it became clear after a while that probably wasn't going to work. And so uh, I went to the emergency at RVH. Great people there. 
And uh, they ended up, you know, it's a couple stitches, but they want to check, like they check your temperature and they check your blood pressure and just protocol. It's fine. So she's checking the protocols, doing the protocol, and she says to me, oh, like, uh, you must have a lot of adrenaline from this cut. I said, oh, why do you say that? She said, well, like, your blood pressure's really high. I said, oh, okay. So anyway, she did the rest, took my temperature. Let's wait a minute. Shook my blood pressure. She says to me, um, do you have a headache? I said, no. I said, she said, are you sure? I said, I'm fine. I feel completely fine. Hmm. She said, okay, well, you know, your blood pressure is kind of high. Um, you know, they say it with that, like, kind of high. Like, you know when they say it that way? And you're like, <laughs> oh, like, I know what that means. I don't need to go to medical school to know what kind of high means. And uh, so I went, I got the stitches, you know, a couple hours, did a great job, came to see a scar. And I came out <clears throat> and they said, oh, before you go, I'm right by the door. Before you go, we'll take your blood pressure. She takes my blood pressure and then says to me, I think the doctor would like to see you. And when you're over 40, that's never good. And uh, doctor calls me over and we get in a room and we sit down and he says to me, he says, um, your blood pressure is pretty high. And he said, I'd like to write you a prescription. And I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, do I have to take it? <laughs> he said, I'd recommend it. And I said, but I feel fine. And he said to me, that's why they call high blood pressure the silent killer. Because you don't know. Turns out, I've got blood, high blood pressure that I inherited from family members. I've got family members all around me that had high blood pressure. I just didn't know. And what did it mean? It meant a change for me. Change in diet, change in exercise routine, change in all those things. I had to start fighting for my health. And you know, I think that, that you spend so much time, we can spend so much time Looking for, give me a hack for this. I'm going to come to church on Sunday because my relationships are struggling or my marriage is struggling or I'm not getting along with my kids. And I'm just going to come to church and in 65 minutes, could you just stitch me up and send me out again? And that's part of what we do. Part of what we do here is spiritual triage. That, that, that is what happened. We'll put a Band-Aid on it. We'll help you through. Here's a book. Let's give you a resource. Let, let, you know, let's do what we can in the time we have together. But I want you to know that a band-aid like that is not going to fix your soul. It's not going to fix the larger heart issues that you're facing. That you have to, at the end of the day, fight for that. You have to fight for that. Not, not just a hack, spiritual hack, but real healing. Not just a fix, but actual freedom. That's what Jesus died for. Not that you could get just enough to get through the next week, but that you might find freedom, that you might find hope, that you might find peace in your life. But it means doing the hard work. It means fighting for your soul. See, when you fight the lies and you look to Jesus for your truth, he's not promising you fulfillment and peace like a salesperson. He's He's looking to give you peace and fulfillment because he loves you. That's why he died for you. 
to defeat evil, to defeat sin, to break you free from lies. There's a battle going on for your soul. And for the next four weeks, I want to help you fight. Fight. Don't be complacent. Complacency will never leave you, lead you to fulfillment and peace that you're looking for. It won't. Spiritual complacency will not lead you there. You've got to fight. And for the next four weeks, my goal is to equip you to do that. What does it mean? To understand what lies are about, how they work, where they come from, how to fight against them. That you might find fulfillment and hope and peace in areas of your life that you haven't thought about maybe in a long time. Well, that's it from us. Thank you so much for tuning in. For any more information you need, feel free to reach out to us on any of our socials at Pathway Church PTBO. That's it. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.